Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly, sponsored as always by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer. What's on tap, of course, LAFC, LA Galaxy, both stumble in MLS play. We had the MLS All-Star Game. Plus, I've got the preview. I'm going to tell you exactly what happens in the Premiership this season. You don't even have to watch after you listen to this show. You'll know exactly what's going to happen. You can wow your friends months in advance (laughs) because I'm going to break down the Premiership 2018-19 coming up. But right now, we are jumping right into it with the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, break It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Right now. And truly, there is no better person to discuss the Black and Gold with than, well, all right, there's Bob Bradley, there's John Thor. Oh, there's about 50 people better, but he's number 51 for sure. I'll take way, it. Yeah, he's way up higher on the list than I am, and that's why we're having him on to do the Black and Gold Breakdown. He is the great Max Bredos of ESPN, and of course, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Max, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. We jump right in here. You know, Max, I don't know what to make of this team anymore, in a sense. And and not because it's bad or good. It's just, I think it's MLS more than LAFC, but they're running into a stretch here where wins are getting tougher and tougher to come by. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. And if you're new to Major League Soccer, this is the way the league plays out you know we I, we saw earlier in the season LAFC have this incredible run of road victories and when that happened I just wanted to point out to everyone how rare that is and we're not building any excuses here but going to get a point at the Red Bulls that's that's tough because the Red Bulls are a really good team and we saw that yeah. you saw the starting 11 they put out the class they have at every level defensively their goalkeeper is one of the best they have two all-stars in their defensive line they have a great little engine room and a, a future U.S. national team superstar in Tyler Adams and then the guy obviously at the top Bradley Wright Phillips and Daniel Royer we didn't know a lot about but he gets the two goals that's a result of being it but there is there's a lot of reason for concern uh, obviously, being in a position to get a point and letting him off again because that has been a theme that's developed for LAFC. Sure. But the reality is a 2-1 loss is kind of par for the course against a really good MLS club. Yeah, it's a tough one to take for about 15 minutes. You kind of then just have to shake it off and realize that Max is right. I mean, in New York Red Bulls win at home. That's what teams that are good do in MLS. I mean, LAFC is unbeaten at home. You know what I like? There are two things that I love about it, Max. What it showed me... And, and I really mean this. The first one is LAFC is now getting everybody's best shot. 100%. That's a lot of respect already Yeah, for, I, Bob, for Bob Bradley, John Thorrington, and what they've built here, and the players. That is amazing. That's the first thing. The second thing is I loved the result yesterday, and I'll tell you why. Not because they lost. I didn't like the loss, but I like the fact that Bob Bradley doesn't fall under the script that so many coaches do of trying to play for a point on the road. You go for the three points on the road because you only need a few victories throughout the year on the road to make up for all those dreaded ties you were trying to play for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> go for the wins on the road, and if you if you scrape out a point in some tough some tough situations, okay, that's fine. But you should be playing for three points on the road because all you need are five wins and two draws to equal 17 ties throughout the season on the road. You know? <laughs> so I love the fact that they lost. Not because they lost, but they were still pushing forward, Max. Now, they got burned, and they got beat over the top, and that should not happen. And, you know, they end up losing the three points. 
but they really just dropped a point. I would much rather them going for two extra points. I think that's refreshing, and he'll get second guests till the cows come home with regards to that. But when you put out the math like that, as long as you get the road wins, which they have, yes, uh, then it, it allows it. And again, like I watched that game, and I, you know, if I was going to come in, I'd say we're this is going to be two one. I really would have said that would have been the the result. Sure, sure. Uh, and I think your point about getting the best shot that is clearly evident. I think you saw with FS1's broadcast, they build this as a huge game, mm-hmm. uh, and LAFC's been, you know. More ordinary now than they've been previous to the season because they've they've struggled with some of the closing of these games. You look back at games like Houston and obviously the LA Galaxy game, but they still draw a lot of interest. That's going to be a big game. And to your point, they took that best shot. Now, the thing is, it's getting a little tight there. And that the Western Conference is proving to be much more challenging between teams and for the, the the revival here of the Galaxy. Uh, you have a team like Portland that was out of the picture, and they're on a tear. You have the Sounders outside of the playoff positions who are, you know, hell-bent on getting in there, and they probably will before too long. Mm-hmm. So now there's there's some nerves, I think. you I, I don't know if you feel it. I feel it a little bit. But now they have that position where they take care of home. But if they are the team that we have seen, and that's at some point they will probably lose at home maybe this season. But if they take care of this business with these, this run of home games after the U.S. Open Cup, then we'll get put into that ease again. But the, the reality is they were in a very comfortable position a few weeks ago. The position's not as comfortable now. I like the philosophy of Bob Bradley. I hope he continues to do that. But we shall see if that's something that gets a little complicated down the road because they don't get points and now they're getting losses. I agree. And let me be frank. You know, there are times, of course, late in the game, you need to, you know, you need to batten down the hatches, so to speak, as the storm is hitting you to get a point on the road. I'm not saying you always, you know, for 93 yeah. minutes go, you know, hell bent on getting full three points, but you do want to play. And they're never out of a game. They really, no, exactly. they never run. Exactly. With a couple they, exceptions, they they're never out of the game. I mean, let's remember the San Jose game. I mean, there's a few examples. They've stolen three points on the road, and that's what you need to do by playing and taking some chances. Sometimes you're going to get burned by a good team, which is what happened. On Sunday at Red Bull Arena, certainly. And the New York Red Bulls, oh, by the way, are four points behind Atlanta with two games in hand. I mean, <laughs> let's be realistic here. The Red Bulls could be the best team in MLS. Could be. Hey, so, this could be an MLS Cup preview. Oh, I'm getting that's, what I was, that's what I was leaning to, hopefully. <laughs> you know, and the, the funny thing is, Max mentions it, the Western Conference is an absolute bloodbath right now in terms of two through six and even... Really, seven and eight, as he he mentioned, Seattle will certainly be in it till the end. Although they're still five points away from that Real Salt Lake six spot, so there's plenty of jockeying for position. You know, I, here's the thing about it, Max. The problem with LAFC is not uh, losing games on the road; it is dropping points at home, as you mentioned. And the five draws, they have as many draws at home now as wins. I know they haven't been beat, but a few of those felt like losses. They did, and I th- the. The Galaxy game was obviously heavy because that's the game you could not lose at home. Sure. And if there's a loss here, I think you can live with it. And it might be some relief to get that out of the way and say, all right, we're just playing. We're comfortable here. We're going to get the results that we need to move forward. There's some favorable games. Sporting Kansas City's next. That's obviously a team that's right there with them in in the Western Conference. But you get a team like the Rapids and Real Salt Lake. These are teams that you should beat. And you've beaten Real Salt Lake in the past. But... I, I, to, to go back to the, the beginning theme, this is the way Major League Soccer is played, and they'll they'll be able to get that, th- those home results. But again, 
it's funny what you said about going for a win and the tie doesn't do you much good. It, it, you flip it here in the same situation when you're at home and it's a similar it's a similar spot. But in home, you absolutely positively have to get those three points. Yeah, we're talking with Max Brados, of course, the voice of LAFC on YouTube television. I am Dave Denholm. This is the Black and Gold Breakdown here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA. 710. Max, for so often or so, so often during the season we're seeing a lot of great offensive play. Certainly LAFC is banging in the goals. I think they're still in the lead in the uh, in the in the whole league for a goals per game at a, just over 2. So, uh, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the offense in that sense. But everybody wants to say, well, the defense keeps faltering. Is it a case of, well, the defense has kind of been left hung out to dry sometimes because of that style, and that's just the way it's going to have to be? There's no shame in outscoring your opponents. I would rather win 4-3, Max, than draw nil-nil. I think that's fair. And, I mean, Mark Anthony Kay sorely missed, and they had a midfield there that wasn't going to win a lot of ball or support as well as it could. I know Eduardo Atuesta came in. And naturally, when you allow a goal, uh, your focus is going to be on the the defense – and in the way this team plays, specifically the central defenders, yeah. and Walker Zimmerman and Laurent Simon have, have had their their errors the last few weeks that have allowed goals. We certainly saw that in the Galaxy game. But it's to your point, that's a big job because those fullbacks, and I use the word back loosely, are they're they're up in their in attack, and that midfield that at least we saw against the Red Bulls, all three of those guys are offensive midfielders. They're going to go four until Atuesta came in. So, I mean, that that's guns a-blazing all yeah. forward, and you you will find, and this is the way that system's going to work. And I think if you allow two goals, if you allow one goal, you're you're doing backflips. But if you allow two goals, I think you expect your team to score at least two. And they got the one, and, I mean, offensively this wasn't their best. I think this was a, a game where I think you wanted to see Carlos Vela put him on his shoulders. He had the nice assist. Uh, he got a little better in the second half, but... It wasn't quite there. You need that offensive performance because I think in that game they were they relinquished a lot and they had to play a lot of defense. And I don't know if that was the best group for it. I think the goal was to get more t- more possession and get into that final third of the New York Red Bulls, but it didn't quite play out that way. And if that's the case, I think you'd be better served to have a little more defense in there. But it, it served its purpose and they were there in the end. It just got away from the last few minutes. I have to ask you, and maybe you're not the right guy to ask either, but am I being too <laughs> no, much number of a, 51. <laughs> yeah, am I, well, am I being a too much of a homer to say that maybe Carlos Vela is not getting protected quite enough yet? Uh, I don't know if he had some reputation for diving with these referees or something, or they're seeing it where it isn't there. He's getting destroyed physically early in matches, and it's taken out of him. Look, I don't blame the other teams. I'd keep doing yeah. it too if I don't get called. You know, Look, Diego Chara has absolutely obliterated Carlos Vela physically. Now, Vela, to his credit, just battled through it a lot. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. That was pretty That was pretty uh, stark when you saw the, 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 two, the Portland games because Chata was in his pocket the whole time. And that's what he was supposed to do. Sure. But it is, it is very physical. And I think Vela needs to be protected. And I think that's a really fair statement, Dave. And I think of the, the criticism Neymar got at the World Cup. But if you look closely, that guy was getting assaulted a yeah, lot. There's, there's, and then he had a reaction to, to it. And yeah. then maybe Vela has to, you know, and he, he went down the ground a couple of times at work. Sometimes it didn't. But sometimes you got to draw. You ha- not sometimes you have to draw attention to that if that's the treatment. He's one of the big stars, but I hope it balances out. And I, 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 I would, I would assume at some point we'll see where it's going to favor him at some point. But generally, referees want to see the play flow, and that's going to encourage defensive midfielders to probably take a couple chops at Carlos Vela. 
Dude, I don't believe how time flies when I talk to you. That's a great <laughs> sign, as always, in radio. You love it to go fast. Really quickly, what are your thoughts on Andre Horte here? What do we expect? Now, of course, he you know had the bad pass, and then he almost literally became the hero a couple yeah. of minutes later. I like the way he bounced back, back mentally. Let's look past that. Going forward with this kid... There's a lot of high hopes for him. How does he slot in here? He's got you got to get him the reps, and I think you're going to see him a lot in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you get him in there and get him in that flow. Let's not sugarcoat it. The mistake that happened to Galaxy is it's, it was monumental. It was mm-hmm. it was a pass you just don't really see that often, and it's due for a lot of reasons. It's a guy who hasn't played, and he does that. And I would imagine nine out of ten times that would never come off his foot, but. He is a featured player. This is a guy they're relying on a lot. They invested a lot, not only in time, but in money to get him here. And right now with that midfield, it's it's populated by similar type players. I'm not saying Andre Hort is not – they expect him to be better in some cases than some of those midfielders in what he can do, and that's why they invested all that in him. But you, you've got to find minutes for him, and maybe a full game or close to it in these in these next three or four games as we get through the month of August. But we saw enough from him, and we I know we are training a lot. We see that we've seen enough from him to suggest that this guy, once he gets his his legs and his lungs, he's going to be a really good contributor for the club. He's absolutely right. He is Max Bretos, one of the best from ESPN, and of course the uh, voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Max, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Dave. I'll be sticking around for your Premier League predictions. Oh, I, love I got that. I got my books out for it as well. What a tease <laughs> from Max Bretos, the radio veteran. There, he knows how to do it. He that was black and gold breakdown with Max, and still to come. My Premier League preview for 2018-19. You don't even have to watch matches after you hear me tell you what's going to happen this season. That is next. I am David Home, and you are listening to Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am David Home, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. Thanks once again to the great Max Bredos of ESPN and, of course, the voice of YouTube TV and LAFC calling the games on uh, YouTube TV. I, of course, am the voice uh, here on ESPN LA 710 for the radio portion of it, and I got a chance to call that game yesterday against New York Red Bulls. We will be breaking that down even further in just a moment. It is time now for the uh, health report. It's uh, sponsored on Soccer Weekly each and every week by the great folks at LA Care. As the nation's largest community-inspired health plan, LA Care is elevating health care in the city of angels. LA Care, for all of LA, lacare.org. And as you know, the injury report is always a tough one in the sense of, you know, you hope it's, you hope it's empty, right? That's what LA Care hopes. They try to take care of people. Well, that's what we all hope for. Well, LAFC still has, of course, the Mark Anthony K issue. He's going to be out for the season after Frank fracturing his ankle on July 26th. He's having surgery, actually had surgery scheduled for today. So hopefully that just went all great and well, and uh, Mark Anthony will be back in as short a time as possible, but it is many months away, several months, I should say, you know, a handful of months. I shouldn't go too far. Hopefully he'll be raring to go. He had sent out a tweet uh, earlier at, right after the injury a few days, I think a day or two after, saying you know he's going to come back, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's good that he has the right attitude. Mark Anthony is a good kid. And I'm rooting for nothing but the best for Mark Anthony K. Adama Diamande had to come off with a hamstring issue. Still going to have to wait and see how that plays out for Wednesday's match against Houston in the U.S. Open Cup. You'll hear it, of course, on ESPN LA, the app. I will have the call of that one. We will not have a pre- or post-game for that, but we will have from a kickoff all the way through in that semifinal 
against Houston Dynamo. For LA Galaxy, they're getting a lot healthier. Rolf Felcher still out. He had that shoulder surgery back in May. And, but you saw Sebastian Legette playing more recently and uh, coming off of his uh, nagging injuries. So it's good to see Legette back out there. So pretty clean bill of health, uh, relatively for LA Galaxy. That's your LA Care health report. Now, as we look at what happened, and I definitely get into the Premier League preview, I promise. As we look at what happened with the uh, over the weekend with LAFC and LA Galaxy, very similar. Late goals, 2-1 losses on the road. Right? I mean, that's just uh, the both teams. Both teams are a lot more similar than they want to admit to each other. LAFC 10 and 6 and 6, LA Galaxy 10 8 and 5. 36 points for LAFC in 22 matches, 35 points for LA Galaxy in 23. LAFC is in fourth. LA Galaxy are in fifth in the Western Conference. LAFC hovering around 500 on the road. Pretty good record. 5-6-1. Yeah, they've taken some losses. LA, LA Galaxy 4-4-4 four, four, four on the road. Both teams have 16 points on the road from 12 matches. So there's a lot of similarities in that sense. There are no, well, I won't say no. There are very few similarities in how they play. And that, to me, is the difference. LAFC is looking to win on the road. Oftentimes, it seems to me, the Galaxy are playing for the draw. And it's that dreaded, and I talked about it with Max Bradas earlier on, on Black and Gold Breakdown here on the show. If you missed it, don't forget, you can check out the podcast, Soccer Weekly, on iTunes. Still checking on some others. Some people have asked me about some other of the podcatchers. I don't know that it's always, I'll have to check on some of those, but you can go to iTunes. Get it on iTunes. Search for Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can also go to the ESPN Pod Center, which is a good, you know, good thing. And I tweet out the links at Talk Soccer. That's my handle at Talk Soccer. We continue the conversations throughout the weeks, you know, after the shows, all that stuff. So those are the ways to get the podcast. If you missed anything, if you miss me and Max talking about it, I said it. LAFC goes for wins on the road. You must in MLS. Bob Bradley is ahead of what most coaches are trying to do. And sometimes I think Siggy Schmidt gets bought into that a little bit too much. The the road point. And let me explain it this way. If you subscribe to what most the old school thought is when it comes to playing on the road, right? Get a draw. Earn a draw on the road. Play for the point. Right? We heard that for so many years. That is just a fallacy. It's false logic. That's 17 points from 17 road games. If everything went the way you wanted it, and you got to draw every match on the road, that's 17 points. Well, what did I just tell you about the LAFC, uh, about LAFC and uh, LA Galaxy road records? They both have 16 points from 12 matches because they're getting some wins. Now, I'm not saying the Galaxy are always playing for the draw on the road. They have four victories uh, away from home. But certainly LAFC, they go for it on the road. And, you know, you're going to get burned sometimes. And that's why I told Max that I liked what I saw on Sunday. Now, I don't happen to like the result of it. They got caught on the long ball over the top, and Bradley Wright Phillips was onside and had an easy tap over to Daniel Royer, who just tapped it past Tyler Miller. Okay, that stinks. That hurts. You look bad. You got caught defensively. But it's because you were trying to win the game. And 17 points on the road, however you get them, you might as well be going for victories because then at least you got a shot to gather some real points on the road. And with both teams still with five road games to play, they're already on 16 points. 
They got chances for 20 points on the road. Now that makes a difference. It seems like, well, Denholm, that's just one more win. Yeah, that's huge. Three, four, five more points on the road than the expected hope of uh, the dreaded get a draw every time. That's huge. When you're talking about teams that are bunched up so dramatically in the West. I mean, FC Dallas has 42 points. They probably should have had should have won on the weekend over playing San Jose. They thankfully took a loss in that game. They're five points clear of Portland. Portland's on 37. Sporting Kansas City and LAFC on 36. LA Galaxy on 35. Real Salt Lake on 34. That's the Western... You have to go for victories on the road. And if Real Salt Lake grabbed a few more wins on the road, they'd be one of the better teams in MLS because they're very good at home. See what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, we all know that Portland's good at home and that FC Dallas is... Yes, of course, good teams are going to win at home. But you also should just go play for the the road wins. Look at Seattle Sounders now. They're making a move up the standings. Why? They got four wins on the road from 12 matches. Three draws. They, too, have 15 points on the road. Not quite as good as LAFC or LA Galaxy, but they're going after it. They need it. They were they were buried early, but now they're, they're on fire. You go for the wins on the road. If I was a general manager or a manager in MLS, that's all I would be talking about. Yes, of course, you got to win at home. That's your fortress. Take chances on the road. Go after teams on the road. They won't expect it, for one thing. And that's what they, both these teams need to be doing, and LAFC has done it from the opening whistle of the season. That's what I love it. Occasionally, you're going to get burned, and you're going to lose. Suck it up, fans. Sometimes you're going to lose. It's the right philosophy, and I love it. And I loved that they went for the win. I didn't love that they lost yesterday, of course. I love that they went for it. And we're still playing to try to get victories. That just only makes sense to me, doesn't it? Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, your thoughts on that. We'll continue the conversation even after the show, as we always do, at TalkSoccer. It's time now to discuss with you the Premier League 2018-19. Now, you know me, I am not a diehard Premier League fan. I don't have a Premier League team. There's one thing I have, the biggest pet peeve I have from fellow soccer fans, not from, you know, the average sports fan who doesn't really care that much about soccer. I'm talking about diehards like us. My biggest pet peeve is when they come up to me, but yeah, but who's your Premier League team? I don't care, LAFC. I don't like Everton better than LA. I don't give a rip. Crystal Palace. Who cares? And they keep pushing. Yeah, but who's your team in England? All right, whatever. QPR, because it's a cute name. And I kind of like their uniform. Well, what does that mean? It's ridiculous. That being said, of course, we all follow leagues all over the world, right? La Liga and Bundesliga are great. And uh, Serie A is getting better and better now with Ronaldo. There'll be even more attention on it. I got to tell you, I watch leagues all over. I follow the Swiss Super League because I went to a game. And I have a team in Switzerland because of that. I was there. I experienced it. I'm not talking about some Liverpool jersey-wearing dude walking down Santa Monica Boulevard who doesn't even know where Liverpool is. By the way, I don't think Reds fans, legit Red fans, all Reds fans all over the world are looking at you going, oh, yeah, that's so cool. They're looking at you going, why do you like Liverpool? You live off of Burton Way. And you've never even been to the uh, to England or even to Great Britain, for that matter, to see a game or anything. Why do you like Liverpool? That's what Liverpool pool fans are talking about behind your back. 
by the by. You're not cool. But it is good football. Make no mistake. So I'm going to talk to you about who's going to win, who's going to, you know. I mean, I understand there are some fans who are diehards here for the good reasons. Some of you, maybe your families had had season tickets for Southampton for 55 years. No shame in that. And it's great football. And I, but, I, you know, I look at this, this league again, and I'm trying to convince myself why I will not pick Man City again, and I just can't do it. Why wouldn't I? Pep Guardiola's side. Now, they didn't make a ton of moves. They're 19 points clear last season. Has anybody made up 19 points on Man City? Do we think Man City is going to stumble enough to let someone make up 19 points from last season? Ah, don't see it. Don't see it. Now, that's not to say there aren't some very good teams that could maybe, I guess, you know, of course, the possibility is there, injuries and all that. We, we know all the factors. Uh, Man City didn't do much in the transfer window, in my estimation. Riyad Mahrez is okay. He's a little overrated, in my estimation, from Leicester. I, I think he's kind of regressed a little bit over the last few seasons. I'm not wowed by him, but he's good. And now he'll be surrounded by really good players. So that won't hurt. But they didn't really lose much either. I like Gomez. And, you know, Philip Sandler, or Philippe Sandler, you know, okay, he is what, you know, that's fine. That's a, a move to make. But they didn't really lose much. They're the team to beat, and nobody's going to beat them. Now, here we go. Second, third, fourth, right? Champions League spots. I don't see how Liverpool misses out on the Champions League again this year. They're too strong. Yes, Jurgen Klopp is adorable. Yes, we all love him. He's a great manager, no doubt. They also have some really good players, right? Let's not forget that. That 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 side is loaded for Bear. If Mo Salah is even remotely like Mo Salah from 17-18, look out. Sky's the limit. I know Coutinho left when he did and all. I get it. They got plenty. Fabinho's a great signing from Monaco. Nabi Keita. Shakiri was an interesting signing. I think he's got he brings a little grit and a little determination to Liverpool in the middle. And then Alisson is a great goalkeeper. I mean, no two ways about it. He's one of the best in the world. I think it's a magnificent transfer window for Liverpool. Yeah, they spent. And they didn't lose much. Emery Chan's a nice little player, but whatever. They don't need him in that sense. He was, he was you know, expendable for Liverpool. I, I, I don't see how Liverpool misses out on Champions League football again in a Champions League spot. Tottenham didn't make many moves. They didn't have to. They're good. I love what they're doing. They are assured of a Champions League spot as well. In fact... Tottenham and Liverpool, they're going to kind of swing between the 2-3, I think. It could go either way, but I really like what Liverpool is doing there. I'm going to give them the slight edge. The last spot for the Champions League is going to go to, well, I'll tell you, coming up next. We are doing our Premier League preview. I am Dave Dathome. You are listening to Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dathome, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out. PuenteHillsToyota.com. Tell them, please, that Dave Denholm and Soccer Weekly and ESPNLA sent you to them. They have been brilliant sponsors of this show right from the jump, and we really appreciate the folks at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out again, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Back to our Premier League preview. We've set the top three. These are Champions League guarantees, according to uh, Dave Denholm. It's Man City winning the Premier League. I love Liverpool and Tottenham. They could be interspersed between the two, three, or 
kind of interchangeable there, but I still think Liverpool is kind of the only real threat to Man City, even potentially, though I don't think there is going to be much of a threat for the citizens. Fourth spot in the Champions League spot, the fourth team. Are you ready? Do I need a drum roll? Nah, we don't even have to go that far. I'm, I'm going to step out on a limb here. It's going to be Arsenal. Yeah, I know. Arsene Wenger says goodbye. In comes Unai Emery, one of my favorites. He's got some issues still. He's, I mean, he's not the uh, Unai Emery is not the finished deal as a manager. Let's say that he's good. He's really good, and I think he's what Arsenal needs right now. But more importantly, I really believe there's just it's going to be it's going to be a good season for Arsenal. Now, again, I'm a guy who also said keep an eye out on Stoke last year to be a decent team in the middle of the pack, and they got relegated. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I like what Unai, Unai Emery can do. And I think there's just a fresh start. It's just, it's, they needed it. They desperately needed it. Arsene Wenger is a legend. They should have done it five years ago. You shake his hand. You say, we're going to build you a statue, statue, Arsene. You're the best. You're the best manager we've ever had and will ever have in all likelihood. Now go. Thank you. That's what they should have done five years ago. Well, finally they do. They bring in Stefan Licksteiner, which proves once again, everybody, that the Premier League is a retirement league. Right? That's all I hear from you Premier League fans about MLS. Retirement League. Really? You brought in Stefan Licksteiner, who also happens to be a pretty good player. But I still heard the Retirement League when it comes to, oh, I don't know, Zlatan, who's 50 times the footballer that Licksteiner ever would be. But it doesn't matter. It's the hypocrisy of Premier League fans. We know that. But still, Licksteiner can play. Baron Leno's a nice signing. Add some real good depth and goal. I love what he had done with Leverkusen last season. He's a very talented keeper. Socrates, yeah, solid. You're really rebuilding your defense there through the uh, the Licksteiner Socrates. And Torreira's a nice signing. Even Guendouzi. I mean, it's good good business for Arsenal. They didn't lose a ton in the transfer window going out. So I, I like what they're doing. I believe Arsenal is going to make the Champions League. Now, what does that leave for two other big, massive names? In Premier League football, Chelsea and Man United are going to be battling for five and six, potentially. But, man, I would not be surprised if one of these teams just, I mean, both of them are on the they're teetering on the brink, in my estimation. I don't know what in the world both these clubs are doing. Now, I like uh, Sorry, he's I, that to me is good, and I love the move for Jorginho for Chelsea. They just don't have that spark back. They're just missing something. I was talking with a Chelsea buddy of mine. We were texting back and forth after that charity shield. Just something missing. They haven't found it again. They need to just absolutely be reignited somehow if you're Chelsea because they got plenty of talent. Now, Man United certainly also has talent, but you wouldn't know that from Jose Mourinho. It just His act gets so tired so fast, doesn't it? Great manager. Great manager. Just can't get out of his own way. It's like the dude gets restless after 24 months. Diego Dallo is a nice, nice pickup from Porto. I love Fred coming back from Shakhtar Donetsk. Remember I told you about Shakhtar Donetsk all last season. They made a good run in the Champions League, and they were loaded with talent, not the least of which is Fred. Those are good moves. It's not as though Man United doesn't have talent. They're just a mess. Now, I could be surprised by both of these teams, potentially. Yes, could either one of these or both even get into a Champions League spot if the others falter or injury? Yes, that wouldn't shock me. But I'm putting Chelsea and Man United interchangeable at 5-6. Now, where does that leave everybody else? Here is the problem with the Premier League. 
everybody else. 14 teams that are hoping not to get relegated. Now, you can say, well, Denholm, there's no way Everton doesn't have enough talent. or the Yes, there are teams that are w- very unlikely to get relegated and, and, and even could surprise, potentially, a team like maybe Everton. I mean, Burnley was way over their skis the last couple of years, but that's Sean Dyche. Maybe they'll do it again. Right? They're a team that's hard to beat. And when you're hard to beat, you can g- gather some 1-0 wins consistently. Look out. But I don't know. The, to me, Burnley looks like they they slide back a little bit. I am no fan of Leicester City and what they've been doing. They, they couldn't hang on to too many, you know, enough talent. Again, Mares is good. They got enough money for him. That's fine. I, you know, Leicester City over the last week, I do like what they did in the transfer window this season. Gazal coming in from Monaco. And Ricardo Pereira is one of the best pickups in the Premier League from Porto. I really like that move by Leicester City. So this transfer window, I think they got right. In a lot of ways. And not to say they haven't in the past, but I don't, you know, they've had to give up a lot of talent over the years, just kind of losing it, you know, after that big run where they won the the Premiership a few years back. They're a team that's going to be fine, though. Newcastle, I really like. I love what Rafa Benitez and Newcastle have done in this window. I love Key coming in from Swansea, Kennedy, Fabian Schar. Even Yoshinori Muto, Muto, who had a really nice season at Mainz. Solomon Rondon coming from West Brom. I mean, the guy can cause problems. I, I I really think Newcastle did just a good bit of business. Didn't lose a lot in the transfer window. Yeah, Mitrovic is tough, but, and it's hard to lose him to Fulham. You know, like he didn't like leave the country and leave the premiership. That hurts. But Newcastle did a really good bit of business. Keep an eye, of course, on DeAndre Yedlin and his continued development there. I mean, development. The guy's just a rock-solid Premier League player already. I mean, you know, there's no no need to worry about that. But it's always fun to watch him. But then there's also the just everybody else. Now, all of these teams could be battling for relegation and promote relegation. I think Roy Hodgson is a good enough manager, and I think Crystal Palace has enough talent. They kind of showed that toward the end of the year where they kind of just vaulted up the table. Don't suspect Crystal Palace will have too many problems. Max Meyer, keep an eye on him. He came in on a free from Schalke. It's a guy who had they had very high hopes for Max Meyer a few years ago at Schalke. I'm talking like the help Germany become defending World Cup champ. You know the types where Max Meyer is going to be the future for years. He has not lived up to that at Schalke. I did not like what I've seen out of Meyer the last couple of seasons. Frankly, covering the Bundesliga, still has all the talent in the world. He really does, and that's why teams still want him. And it's Crystal Palace lands him, and he's still got a lot of talent. He has to play better. He has the ability, but you, you keep an eye on that. That will be a big factor for Crystal Palace if Max Meyer can have a really nice season. Uh, you know, they lost a couple of players. Goodbye, uh, Cavalier. I mean, they released a few. Nothing. They didn't lose a ton in the in the in transfer window. I love the move for Meyer because it's just a game. It's just a chance. You take a shot because the talent is still there. Team like Everton, they way overspent for Richarlison. I mean, there's been a butt of jokes about that. But bringing in Lucas Digne is very nice, too. Didn't lose a ton in the transfer window. Wayne Rooney goes to D.C. United. That's a team that's going to be fine, right? So now let's take a look at some of these teams that are going to struggle. West Ham did enough in the transfer window, I believe. I, I don't think the money was perfectly spent by any means. They'll be all right. To me, Bournemouth is going to could slide back. Watford should be okay. Teams like Southampton 
should have enough. I mean, they, I, they, they, Southampton should be way better than they are, for one thing, but they should have enough. I like them bringing in El Yunusi from uh, Basel and a Vestergaard from Borussia Mönchengladbach. That's going to help Southampton a lot. So where does that leave us now? Who's going to get relegated? The final three teams, the three dog teams. Now, we look at the teams who are promoted. Fulham looks really strong. I mean, again, they're not going to be battling for Europe or the Champions League. They look very solid, right? Wolves are really good. That's a team, to me, that should be middle of the table at worst. I think Wolves is a, definitely a middle of the of the table Premier League side. Brought in João Moutinho from Monaco. I love that move. Willy Boli from uh, Porto is another really good player. Even Rui Patricio from Sporting Lisbon. I mean, they got you know Jimenez from Benfica. Nice signings. Nice signings from Wolves. And they had a pretty darn good team, oh, by the way, in making that run to, uh, to uh, dominate the championship. So Wolves will be fine. Cardiff, to me, is playing to go back to the championship next year. They're just taking no chances. Didn't do much in the transfer window. They're not going to blow any kind of money here. They look like they expect to go down. I'm going to oblige them and say Cardiff City, the more you look at this team, they can't hang in the whole season for the Premier League. Unless it's just all an emotional thing. They get off to a good start, maybe grab, grab some points where they don't belong early. I guess that's their their way to staying in the Premier League. It's not going to happen. Cardiff is one of the teams that's going to be relegated. All right? that's that. You can take that to the bank. Who are the final two teams to be relegated? Out of the Premier League for the 18-19 season? Find out next. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. We continue on with our Premier League preview. If you missed any of it, go check out the podcast on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center. The show gets podcasted almost immediately after it's over with. Tell your friends if you love the show. Tell your enemies if you hate the show. They can find it at Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That helps out a lot. I already told you who's going to go to the Champions League, who's going to go in Europe, who's going to be the also-rans. But now we've discussed who is the first of the relegated teams. Cardiff, who just got promoted here for this season. I believe they're going right back down. The other two teams that are going to be relegated here in 2018 and 19, they're not good enough this season. And the first one is Huddersfield. Unfortunately, with the great David David Wagner, the American manager, uh, you know, look, signing a couple good signings, Diacabe and Eric Durham, even uh, Janino Bakuna, uh, you know, nice talent. I, I understand they had a nice little run, did a good job to stay up last season. Don't know where enough of the goals are going to come from. That's going to be their Achilles heel again. And it's going to be why they're finally, uh, they are going to go down in my estimation. That leaves the last spot. Who is that team? And there are a few that I've been wrestling with. All right. If you take a look at these teams, there are a few that I really have been wrestling with and coming down to the wire. We all know who the candidates are at this point after I've already discussed everybody else. And I, I'm just I'm going to lay it out there. And it's going to be the team, the final team to get relegated for 2018-19 is Bournemouth. AFC Bournemouth. They just don't have it. No, look, they did a great job. They, they were way over their level most of last season. They, they leaked goals at times, but they scored goals enough to get wins. That may dry up. I think there's a lot of games where Bournemouth now are going to struggle. Uh, 
just don't see that they have enough talent. A tip of the cap to Brighton, who, quite frankly, will finish 17th and miss out on the relegation, just barely. I don't love what they've done in the transfer window. I don't hate it. I know that seems like a cop-out, but there's a couple of guys who could make me change my mind on this. Uh, Balagun, I thought, had a decent World Cup. I think he's a little, eh, it was okay. Uh, Jahan Baksh is, uh, didn't have a great World Cup either. Ali Reza Jahan Baksh, uh, coming in from Aza, decent. I think he's a better club player than he uh, showed at the World Cup. So, you know, okay. I think they overpaid for a few of these guys. Florin Andone is okay. Good, decent player. Again, nothing really wowing me about this, but I do I do think Brighton will find enough goals from the cast of characters they had. They're going to have to score more, but they, there are enough goals in that roster to just avoid elimination or avoid relegation, if you will. So those are the three that are going to get relegated. For me, Brighton avoids it. Bournemouth, Bournemouth Huddersfield, and Cardiff are my most likely candidates to go down in my Premier League preview for 2018-19. You know it. You love it. It's your favorite time of the show. What time is it? It's stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah. Stoppage time. It's stoppage time. Right now. Stoppage time, as always, brought to you by Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry. The San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Say habla espanol. The great host of Stoppage Time is the producer of this show, Mario Rees. Mario. Dave, what's happening, my man? How's it going? Good, buddy. All good, my man. Barcelona has introduced their newest uh, midfielder, Arturo Vidal, of course, on Monday. And Vidal said he wants to win the Champions League with the best team in the world and believes he will have to play at a higher standard now that he is uh, with teammates and uh, players such as Lionel Messi. So big things going here for Vidal. Yeah, you know, the thing about Arturo Vidal is, A, first of all, the resume's there. He's got a lot of bite to him, which I think Barcelona needs. He's not afraid to take on people. He can score. He can play end-to-end. Guy can do a lot of things, a lot of really good things. He's got to keep that right attitude. He's got to just be in it mentally throughout the whole season. And if he is, it's a very good signing for Barcelona. Good bit of business for Bayern. Late in his deal, he's already above uh, past 30 years old. I think I think he's 31. Got a decent little bit of money. I think he was like 18 something. So good bit of business for both teams, realistically, Mario. Yeah, three-year deal. Sounds like he's motivated, so good things for him. Yeah. Stop it, time! I would agree with that. All right, so Manchester United has a new number 10. Marcus really? Rashford, yeah, he'll wear the number 10 shirt for Manchester United this season. And uh, Manchester United manager Mourinho said he has always wanted it. He's always respected Rooney and then respected Zlatan uh, when he wanted to have it. And, of course, he was in the shadows and waiting for the opportunity. And now the shirt is empty, and it's something fantastic. So let's give it to the kid. Okay, that's a lot of pressure on him then. I mean, I don't, <laughs> Marcus Rashford's a decent player, Mario, but wow, that's a lot of pressure on a guy. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, look at the people who have worn it. I think Beckham, didn't he, uh, you know, uh, back in the day that uh, there were talk of that. Uh, Wayne Rooney, of course, had it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been some really good players that have had the number 10 shirt for uh, Man United over the years. And, you know, I mean, more power to him, I guess, if that's the way you want to go with it. So... And, uh, you know, I, I beg your pardon, Beckham uh, would have uh, worn it, but he uh, ended up with the number seven for Man United. So even he didn't, you know, it's just the way it goes. You know, it's such a it's such a legendary number. I think Beckham wore Yeah, I'm checking out. He did wear it for one season. I beg your pardon. Oh, did he? OK. Yeah. So uh, according to uh, TransferMarket.com, TransferMarket.com, I love that website. They have everything there. But it, it, it carries a little weight with it. You know, a lot of times you think, well, it's just a number in American sports. We see guys wearing 
No, it no. carries some weight with it. Yeah. Best wishes to Marcus Rashford. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. Let's see if he can live up to that. I know it's important to him. That's fine. Hey, that's stoppage time. Thanks so much to the great Mario Rees. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Max Bradhaus for joining us. I am Dave Denholm. As always, each and every week here, thank you for supporting Soccer Weekly here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710.